edition of Governed by God, a biblical look at law, civics, and government. My name is Eric Lupold. Thank you for joining me today. On today's episode, I'm not going to have a law of the day or a topic related to uh, idolatry or issues of tyranny or statism. Rather, I wanted to talk to my friend Steve Moyer about economics and financial planning and the concept of, of wealth from a biblical perspective. Uh, Steve Moyer is a certified financial planner, as well as a chartered financial consultant and works uh, for Mariner Wealth Advisors and is a wealth strategist for them. So I hope that you'll enjoy the interview. Uh, I had a very uh, fun time talking with him, and I think it'll be a great blessing to you. So without further ado, my interview with Steve Moyer. Well, welcome, Steve. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show today and sitting down with me and chatting about uh, economics, finance, all the uh, the fun things, the money. Everyone likes to talk about money, although when people hear economics, I, I guess they probably, sometimes their eyes roll on the back of their heads and, <laughs> and they start getting a little sweaty and like, oh my goodness, here we go, economics, stuff I can't understand. But hopefully in our conversation, we'll try to to make it that, that people can understand as, as, you know, as as easy as it can be for these kinds of, of complicated topics. So just to start um, off, can you uh, give us a, just a, a quick introduction about yourself, uh, your, your experience, your current role, things like that? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun, and um, I love to talk about this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, this is, this is great. I work as a wealth strategist uh, for a company, and um, Mariner Wealth Advisors, and so I uh, work with advisors um, as they provide wealth management advice to their um, clients. Mm-hmm. And um, my background, I've been in uh, finance, I would call it personal finance, um, and financial planning for, um, I don't know, 12, 15, 12, 13 years, something like that. Um, and most of those years were as a financial advisor where I was meeting directly with clients. Um, still involved in, in that role, um, but more working with advisors as they serve their clients. So we get into things like cash flow, so mm-hmm. money management, cash flow planning, um, as well as a lot of income tax planning, estate planning. Um, I do a lot with executive compensation in that area. Um, and then investments is uh, an important part um, of the overall wealth management. Okay. Um, so you help people to grow their money, save their money, protect their money. Yeah. Be wise with their money. Absolutely. And and what I would say is be um, intentional and proactive in how they handle their money. And ah. so um, oftentimes it's more than just, um, I mean, spending and saving is, is part of it and investing is part of it, but why? why? Um, and yeah. so helping them to um, understand what their goals and priorities are and then to position things in a way that can best help them accomplish. So it's um, mm. kind of taking a step back and not just doing, but first putting a plan in place and then executing that plan. So it's, mm-hmm. it's um, just um, pre-thought out and pre-planned. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I know that you and I have talked uh, uh, privately about um, different concepts like like behavioral economics, and that's kind of w- what uh, you wanted to come on to talk about today and, and kind of applying that to behavioral finance. So I guess starting off in the big picture of things, what is – uh, behavioral economics. How would you explain that to somebody? Yeah, well, um, I think one of the best ways, I'm just re- going to read the definition from Wikipedia. Sure. Um, uh, and this is how, um, yeah, I think just the most distinct way to describe it. Behavioral economics studies the effects of psychological, cognitive, emotional, cultural, and social factors 
on the decisions of individuals and institutions hmm. and how those de decisions vary from those implied by classical economic theory. So that's okay. the definition by um, Wikipedia. Um, in the personal finance space, um, you know, and it's, it's similar in behavioral economics too, is really trying to get at the root of what drives somebody. Um, oh. Why does somebody make the decisions that they make? And then from a Christian perspective, I think it's important for me to understand, um, you know, for all of us to understand maybe what our natural response is and why um, and how that can cr cause us to make certain decisions that we do. Mm. And then understanding how that aligns with um, with proper biblical stewardship. Yeah. Um, so. OK. But it's this the study of people's behaviors sure. um, or the psychological impact on decisions that yeah, people Yeah, I mean, make. you mentioned a lot of factors there. Cognitive, how people think. Psychological, yep. I guess, emotion. Yep. Cultural, I guess, some of the assumptions that different cultures have. Um, and, and, and that definition kind of contrasts it from uh, classical economic uh, uh, models or theories. So what are some of the big differences, I guess, between the, the traditional or the typical models that people think about when they hear economics versus what you just described? Um, yeah, so I, I think that um, part of behavioral economics, I, I, I think, comes from the position that, for some reason, our economic models mm -hmm. aren't accurate, mm -hmm. per se. And so rather than going back and revisiting why the model isn't as accurate as possible, um, behavioral economics tries to explain away why there's differences. In other words, why are people not acting like they're supposed to act according <laughs> to the model that we have in place? Yeah. And so that's kind of where behavioral economics comes in. So part of it, I think, mm -hmm. is the result of having a, a model in place that may not be properly aligned with how God created economics to function in the mm. first place. Mm. So you would say that that every every view of economics has assumptions that it seems like it starts with about humans and human beha behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and are some of our, our modern way of looking at things, are, are we making some pretty bad assumptions in, typically? In a lot of ways. So um, our, you know, our, our economic model is a mix of a lot of different theories mm -hmm. that have kind of um, been developed over time. But the main one driving a lot of it is um, Keynesian, yeah. if I said that right, right? So, um, and John Maynard Keynes mm -hmm. um, is the, you know, it's named after him, mm -hmm. um, was very influential. Um, and um, he essentially challenged a lot of the classical thinking mm. and almost... Um, turn the classical economic model upside down. Oh. And so like the classical economic model um, encourages production okay. and, and savings, whereas um, the Keynesian model would encourage um, spending. And um, traits like saving are looked down upon and frowned and actually can lead an economy into a recession um, according to their model. And so hmm. so what that model looks to do is continue to stimulate demand, and how we do that now is through fiscal and monetary policy. They keep um, talking about, like, stimulating the economy. Yes, right? stimulate the economy. What they're trying to do is stimulate 
demand okay so that people spend, spend. Um, and um, and that also one of the byproducts of that is that we um, borrow um, so that we can spend today what we don't yet have mm-hmm. and that's strongly encouraged because according to that model more spending sooner is better the long-term effects can be very detrimental and um, Keynes has been asked about that and his response is, he still is alive no, okay. but his response to that was, "In the end, we all die." <laughs> so oh it's a goodness. it's a short term perspective, wow. but that is the one of the main drivers of our economic system. And people bought into that, and people have bought into that. Yeah, and so so um, in a lot of ways, the brokenness of that model mm-hmm. is um, is what behavioral finance is trying to address um, mm-hmm. to try and justify or make sense of um of why it's not working how it's you know maybe supposed to work Mm -hmm. so when it so the behavior if i understand it correctly so the behavioral model is trying to understand uh, that people aren't so simple uh there's a little more complicated a lot of variables that go into why people choose and buy the spend the money on the things that they do um so i guess it kind of seems like it's a not not an equation but it's kind of like you know, if you assume the wrong things, you're going to get the wrong um, outcome from your from your model. As as Christians, so so from as I understand it, and I I think that you do as well. Like we as Christians have an understanding of how God made the world. So you need to have correct assumptions. Like you yes. need to have a correct starting point. If you want to have to, you want to be able to predict yes. or model something. So, yeah, speak on that for a little bit. Yes. So, worldview is key. Uh-huh. And um, if a behavioral economist has a biblical worldview, I think it could be a really great thing. But mm-hmm. if they don't, then it could be very detrimental. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, God created everything. Mm-hmm. And God created man in His image, and so um, one of the um, one of the truths about that is God is a God of reason and um, rational, mm-hmm. and we've inherited the ability to be rational. Now we don't always act yeah. rational, but um, a biblical worldview would believe that if we have the right information, we are able to make rational good decisions whereas um the other side of it is that almost the view that people act irrationally so we're not we're not created Mm. to be right we we don't have the maybe the ability to reason Mm -hmm. um which is why we don't act rationally and so Mm. behavioral economics can make the assumption that people are primarily irrational Mm. like more like animals yes instinctual like oh. a, it, that's exactly it. Okay, it's more instinct, and and so from that um, non-biblical worldview, economics can more be about learning how people respond to certain things, so that things can be positioned in a way where they respond the way that the model wants them to respond, rather hmm. than um, positioning things so that people are in a position to make reasonable choices on their own. Yeah. Um, so. It's yeah, I, I, I feel like um, it's not an easy. An- it's it's not. 
Yeah. A lot of it comes back to worldview. Sure, but, but with the one phrase you use, and I know that it, it scares me not because you used it, but the, the very language of, of trying to get people or manipulate people to adhere to a certain model. It's like this, this controlling. Yes. Uh, um, pulling on the strings or the levers. Like that seems to be a very, a very common thing in our culture today that, you know, people in authority are just trying to manipulate people. Yes. I mean, so how does this play? How does that play into well, this? Well, yeah. And I think that is, so the reality is we live in a fallen world, yeah. right? We are all sinners and, um, and, you know, because of that, we see things like um, greed and mm-hmm. manipulation and the desire for power and control. Um, we also see some of the byproducts of that are um, we can have a tendency towards slothfulness or mm-hmm. laziness mm-hmm. or, right? So, um, but part, part, of, part of that human drive and with the governmental you know, influence is that um, some of the modern economics, I believe, put too much control in the hands of um, those that are making a lot of the decisions. And they're the ones deciding what the outcome should be and then Mm -hmm. trying to, um, in a way, influence people's decisions so that the outcome aligns with what they believe it should be. The problem is... um, What makes them right? Right. (laughs) And I mean that's that's the thing is in a lot of minds of people, they think that they're right. <laughs> so they may have very, they may think it's good and they're the experts. Yes, and they need to in a way make sure that other people make, you know, quote unquote, the right decision. Uh huh. That's scary in some regard. So are those people then using some of the behavioral economic? ideas to manipulate yeah some of them are so i'm certainly not an expert in what i would call behavioral economics i have a lot of experience working with individuals and yeah, helping we'll get to that shortly. yeah yeah but you know one of the terms that you may hear is nudging and that's okay. become kind of an acceptable thing is that well i nudge my children like out the door when we got yeah. to school on time you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> give them a nice little nudge to move them in the right direction so uh-huh. you th- you see things like that though like in the grocery store so okay. if we want people to eat healthier okay um rather than put the healthy food at the back of the store okay. um either put it at the front or put it um you know at the checkout line at eye level um rather than you know at the back of the store down at foot level you put what you want them to purchase because you think it's best for them to purchase that product mm-hmm. where they're more likely to see it and then to respond to that and make that purchase. So that's just a simple example. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you see candy at the eye level of children at the checkout line. That's purely <laughs> innocent. That's purely <laughs> random. No one would think to do that. <laughs> My goodness. So, you know, positioning things, though, yeah. so that um, – you know, that people, and there's a lot of data and research on it. So, um, you, you, there's a way for decisions people end up making to be strongly influenced, which is called a nudge. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Now I imagine it can be, that can be like pretty, pretty like rude or, or, or what's the sinister. You could use that in a sinister way, a nudge. Um, I do know at grocery stores, like they would put the 
the the food or the milk that's expiring yes. up front because they want people to buy that milk before it expires. And I, I know that in the past, like when I've gone grocery shopping, you know, I go into the milk section and I look at the expiration date and I try to find the milk yeah. that is the 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 latest expiration date and sometimes it's three or four back yeah you know yeah so i guess i'm trying i'm trying to defeat their nudging yeah <laughs> i don't know you're too smart for their nudging too, yeah. too smart for their nudging <laughs> but i don't blame them for doing that right because they can only keep so much in stock before right. it gets wasted yeah so i i guess that might be a positive nudge i don't know yeah and i and i think that um i think that you you know i'm i don't think that's wrong because what they are doing in the end is avoiding waste. Um, yeah. Now, you know, if they were selling milk that expired, mm-hmm. um, you know, tomorrow and knew that somebody wouldn't have a chance to drink it before it went bad, that's mm-hmm. that's different. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, for them to, you know, circulate yeah. um, their inventory so that, yeah. uh, you know, product is sold before it goes to waste yeah. can be a good thing. So that, yeah. that can actually, it can, that's an, and that's a great example where, <clears throat> you know, nudging can be good and nudging can perhaps be manipulative. Yeah. The thing is who's doing the nudging and why that's it. And, and, and that's what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, I agree because I think that it's perfectly okay for a grocery store because it's, it's their, it's their, it's their inventory. They yeah. paid for all that stuff. They're allowed to organize it how they see fit to optimize, you know, whatever their profits or to make it efficient right yeah just like we do in our household like i do have to nudge my children to eat for leftover night you know because you know we have leftovers yeah and sometimes the kids don't want to eat it and i'm like it's gonna go bad we need to eat it we we plan that we have a leftover night once per week and i'm gonna have to nudge you yeah (laughs) to get you're gonna eat this yeah you know (laughs) because i don't want to waste it right right so i but that's okay for me to do that as a father in the household, as parents, we can nudge our children. Yeah. And the grocery store can nudge its customers. But if the government's doing it outside of its authority, that's where it becomes yes. a problem. Yeah. And I think from a biblical perspective, you know, minimizing waste is part of being a good steward. So, yeah. um, so I, I think that, you know, when they're, when it's done properly, it can actually be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to speak a, a little bit on like the role of government in, in, in this whole behavioral economic thing there? Yeah. Before so we get to the individual finance piece. Yes. So mm-hmm. this is th- how government responds. Um, again, it comes back to a worldview. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, God created, mm-hmm. right? And um, it's interesting how He created too. And yeah, we're not gonna. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but oh, his no first yeah. his first three acts were about organizing. Sure. Right. So. Um, the earth was formless and void and mm-hmm. God created light. And mm-hmm. then he separated light from darkness. Mm-hmm. So he organized into light and into dark. Um, and then he created an expanse, which he called the, the heavens mm-hmm. to separate the water from the water. So the mm-hmm. water above from the water below. Mm-hmm. So he organized that. And then, um, and then um, he created earth. Mm-hmm. So he separated land, dry land from the masses of water. So his first three steps were organizing things, and then he started to fill them. Mm-hmm. So once it was organized, he filled with with plants and mm-hmm. with the, you know the heavens with the stars and the sun and the moon, and um, he created animals and humans. Um, and then after he created and you know organized, filled, he um, 
he also gave responsibility. So um, he gave humans dominion over his creation. And I think that's really key. So a couple different things from the creation story. God created, Mm -hmm. and he created man in his image. Mm -hmm. And because of that, man is also a mini creator. Now, God creates from nothing. Yes. And from an earthly perspective, man in a way creates from nothing, but we can't create anything physical that doesn't exist. Only God can create something. We create from what God has already created, right? So we can have ideas for something that doesn't currently exist per se, a product or maybe a service or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we can create it based on what God has already created first. So we are productive um, Mm -hmm. in that we're innovative and creative. Um, But also God gave us the responsibility of caring for his creation. So yes, he created um, plants and trees Mm -hmm. and animals to reproduce after, you know, their own kind. But when mankind comes alongside of God's creation, it can produce um, more. And so Hmm. we can um, sow and we can water and we can fertilize and we can prune and we can do things to improve the productivity of God's creation. And that's part of being productive. So we were created um, to be productive. And so Hmm. one model, um, a classical model would look to support productivity, believing that um, if people are encouraged and supported in being productive, that they will be more productive Mm -hmm. and that productivity will drive greater productivity Mm -hmm. and that will drive economic um, uh, stimulus and and growth. The other type of model looks at it a little bit differently. (laughs) Yeah, like you said before. So, um, So we aren't you know, naturally productive, that demand needs to be driven. And and if Mm. there's no demand, then the economy won't Mm. grow. So Mm. one of the primary functions or needs is for, and this comes back to the government, the government to create and drive demand. Mm. And so so demand won't happen on its own Mm. based on that view, demand has to be created and then Mm. once demand is created people will respond to that Mm. and so that puts the onus on government not on how man was created it puts the onus on government to create um, Mm. stimulus that's interesting so if i understand it correctly like yeah yeah and so so humans are naturally productive and but I, i agree with the classical model in this regard that you want to steam, you want to help people be more productive. You yeah. want to you know, you want to maximize productivity. I want to remove obstacles that are preventing you from being as productive as you could be. And that if I do that, you will be more productive. Um, and then the idea that I have to make people be productive. And the only way I can make them be productive is by giving them an incentive. Yes. Some kind of demand. Now, I don't disagree that incentives are, are there in life, but I don't know. I, I, I think that that makes it very scary because then the government thinks that they are the key, I don't know, the key driver of the economy, that yes. they're going to create jobs, that they're going to stimulate the economy, that everything is on their shoulders. And that just gives them way more power. 
Yeah. But people were productive before the government existed. Yeah, and I and I do believe so government does have a role, I mm -hmm. think, because the the reality also is that we do live in a, a fallen world and, and there's this thing yeah. called sin and um and that can, you know, cause mm -hmm. things like greed. Mm -hmm. It can also cause things like laziness, right? And you and can steal my productivity. Yes. You know. And so, you know, government I think should have a role mm -hmm. in protecting um protecting you know mm -hmm. producers mm -hmm. but um but you know if if somebody is to choose not to work then there's a, a consequence to that and mm -hmm. um and people will choose not to work because sin can create laziness <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's <laughs> and true. feeling entitled to mm -hmm. have certain things that other people have without maybe putting the same amount of effort into it mm -hmm. so um yeah, it gets complicated. Government, yeah. I think, does have a role, yeah. um, but it should be a more limited role than mm -hmm. what it currently is. And it shouldn't be the primary creator of yeah. demand or of, of needing to stimulate an economy. Yeah. And I don't think I, I do. Yeah, I don't think that it's, it's fair to say that the government has to create demand for things to work because, like, I, I know in my own life, yeah, I mean, I, I consider myself pretty busy, but, like, there were times where I was not very busy or I had a lot of free time. And people, people don't just sit around and do nothing. Like they, they actually still do something. Um, I mean, maybe they just watch TV, <laughs> but in a, in a sense, they're still they still want to do something. Yeah. Or they play video games. But yeah. Video games is a, is a, is you know I'm not going to spend too much time talking about video games. It's actually a it's a false work. Yeah. Video games is a way to do work. Yeah. That is not productive. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, because people go into the game, they build something. They, they, they conquer something yeah. or they uh, take control of something or they go on an, an adventure. Yes. So they're actually doing work that yes. they should be doing in the real, real world, but they're not. Yes. So, you know, so it's, it, that's a form of laziness. It's also escapism. But I guess another example would be like I remember not too long ago, uh, one of my children, uh, we, were, we didn't have much to do at the house. Okay. You know, it was a rainy day and she just decided to just make something. She just wanted to make something, yeah. so she she got scraps of paper and they did a pro she did a project and she built like, you know, all this food and she built a restaurant and there was no demand. No one required her to do that. She wasn't making any money, but she had this desire to to do something. Yeah. So I, I think why that, because yeah. I believe that's ingrained in who we are and how yeah. we were created. And what's interesting is what would her response have been if you were the one that said you have to create I mean the joy yeah. of it would I think yeah. it would have been a different yeah or if I said I'll pay you a hundred dollars yeah to to build this useless thing you know or it might not be whatever it might be you know the government always talks about creating jobs and I always like to um, I always like to joke around that you know <laughs> you know there are many many people out in the world that have created jobs if I just give you a shovel and tell you to dig a hole and I'm going to pay you for it. I just created a job. Yeah. Is that a useful job? <laughs> no, not necessarily, but I created a job, right? You know, <laughs> you know, so, and if I pay you to fill it up again and then dig another hole. Right. I can say I created jobs, but it, right. it was pointless. Well, and that actually, that's a good point because I mean, um, you know, productivity and profits have to be there for it to be sustainable too. So it's not mm -hmm. just about a temporary job mm -hmm. um, that's short-term in nature I mean there has to be some benefit to that job actually um, to to for the 
person laboring, it's their wages. But for yeah. the person who creates that job, yeah. there has to be profit to incentivize yeah. paying people in, in the first, right? And with that profit, they can be more productive and mm -hmm. create more jobs and hire more people and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, um, hmm. yeah, it's interesting. The other thing, as you know, we're talking um, kind of on topic, but um, also related to personal finance, I think about like retirement and our cultural yeah. um, view of retirement, um, which to me, the only the only similar model I've seen in the scripture is with um, the rich old man um, who mm. had worked and labored and he had more than he needed. And he said, what should I do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns and then I'll <laughs> sit back and be merry and enjoy life. Right. And yeah. like that is basically what our retirement um, the, you know, the, the goal in life and to, so to say for a lot of people, yeah, but play golf God him. calls him a fool, you know, and he says, mm -hmm. you don't realize like this night, your life is demanded of you. And mm -hmm. the thing is, there's a lot of research, um, mm -hmm. not biblical in nature, just secular research mm -hmm. that shows that people who retire to nothing. So, um, you know, they want to golf all day, um, but no more work, no more laboring, sit no back, morning. enjoy life, be yeah. merry tend to be unhappy, hmm. um, tend to um, have less resources at their end of their life, and they tend to live shorter lives. That's interesting. So yeah. versus I've worked with a lot of people who, yes, they, so I, I like to use the word financial independence rather than retirement. Yeah. And all I mean is that we're not dependent on continuing to do the same job perhaps ah. for income is that you can you can be at a position where um, where maybe you don't work for income anymore because you have resources that can provide mm -hmm. for, mm -hmm. for your lifestyle needs. But I think being engaged in meaningful work is still very, very important. And so yeah. it may not be working for money. It may be more volunteer. It may be helping with grandchildren. It passion. may be with um, charities or more involved in church. But yeah. having meaningful work, yeah. that drive doesn't go away. Yeah. Moses never retired. He worked until his very last yeah. day. Yeah. And that drive to continue to be productive mm -hmm. is ingrained in who we are. And the thing is, is that when we aren't productive, we don't always recognize it, but there's depression and anxiety and there's a mm. lot of emotional tools that it takes on us. Like video games is a mm. great example because mm part of video games and why they can be ad addictive mm -hmm. is because somebody's actually quenching that desire to be productive and they're able to be productive in the video game. Yes. But there's also this realization deep within them that they're actually not being productive like they're supposed to be. And yes. so, mm. um, you know, so there can be this discontentment with that. And so mm. what it all comes back to, I think is, um, how God created it to yeah. be and trying to make things align as much as, you know, again, we're in a fallen world, so it's not going to align perfectly sure. um, here on earth. But, um, but as much as we can follow his model, yeah. the more productive and happier um, and whatnot, you know, and, and the more we'll be able to help others. Um, yeah. It'll be, it's, it's, it's better. Well, I, I, I definitely want to talk about the individual uh, portion here because from I when I read about economics, like the, the even even the word economics uh, comes from the Greek uh, oikonomos, which means house law. So 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 economics really just means the laws of the house. So it very much is individual, family, very personal. Um, the decisions that you make in your household, you know, you can expand that to the greater society, but it really just comes down to first of all 
what's going on in yeah. in your house. So and and you mentioned the the created order, which I think is very beautiful. And then we live in the fallen world. And then someone might, you know, some people might say, well, because we live in a fallen world, we need we need the government to do X. But that's where, to me, it comes down to also, well, what's your standard? You know, because you just, you know, are you going to use man's standard of what the government's supposed to do? Or are you going to go to what God says in the Bible? Right. Some of the some of the laws, like you mentioned the story about the man who keeps, uh, you know, building up more and more and more. But yeah. there's so many wonderful Proverbs that talk about uh, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's yeah. children. So, so a wise and good person should think about the people, particularly his family, yeah. that come after him. Yeah. And he should make decisions based on that. Yes. Yeah. So Exactly. So exactly. How else would you apply that to the individual level? Somebody? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think um, in that example, with our culture, what kind of how we're taught to think about things is like the McDonald's mm -hmm. um, model is okay. supersize me. Would you like, you know, for a while, I don't know if they still do it, but if you yeah. ordered a meal, they yeah. had to ask you, mm. you know, would you like me to supersize that? And and so if mm. we if we think about how we manage our finances, um, you know, if we manage them and steward them mm -hmm. wisely, ideally we're creating, you know, margin, which mm. means we're not spending everything that we earn. That sure. yes, it supports our lifestyle and we spend some of it on on needs and even wants, but we also save mm -hmm. um, and we create margin. And that mm -hmm. margin um, allows us to do other things, fund mm -hmm. future goals, mm -hmm. um, provide for our future needs, bless others through giving, right? And also handle the bad times. And handle the bad times, just like I think, you know, with Joseph, um, yeah. saving to, to provide for those seven years of um, famine. Yeah, of famine. So, um, so that's that's definitely part of it as well. But um, what we've learned to do is is we receive God's blessings mm -hmm. and our cup fills up. Mm -hmm. And instead of allowing our cup to overflow mm -hmm. to the point where we're saving mm -hmm. and we're giving generously to help others, mm -hmm. we get a bigger cup, right? <laughs> And then we forty ounce cup, big yeah. Old mug. And then we and we want God to fill our bigger cup. And yeah. the temptation is to um, try to capture more of God's blessing yeah. for our own personal use and gratification, rather than allowing it to overflow to the point where we're not worried about our needs being met because they're more than met. We're more concerned about helping to meet the needs of others. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how. I mean, it might be a simple um, example, but I think that's how, um, you know, we, we, we are to look at managing our finances. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's easy when we have pay increases to increase our lifestyle mm -hmm. buy a little bit more space because the kid. Yeah. yeah. So we buy a bigger house um, because, you know, we need more space so the kids yeah. can each have their own bedroom and so that we can spread out and not be on top of each other. And, right. you know, bigger house <laughs> means a bigger payment, um, property taxes go up, heating it is more expensive, overall costs start to go up. It's very easy to yeah. increase our, our lifestyle. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, if we can have the mindset of um, like a, a, a life being content within a lifestyle, mm -hmm. then when we have the 
you know, um, the additional raises, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. is if we don't adjust the lifestyle, um, then there's more margin for mm-hmm. some of those other things. So mm-hmm. when it comes to personal finance, um, mm-hmm. I know it can get complex, but it's really yeah. actually quite simple. Yeah. There's only, you know, four things we, we can do, live, give, owe, or grow. So live mm-hmm. is about spending on our current lifestyle. Right, buying your daily bread. Exactly. And that's a very necessary expense, sure, right? Sure. Um, but there's also a lot of control over, over what that is. Do we, you know, yeah. um, which type of bread and all that. Um, but give, so yeah. give to, um, to, to bless others. And sure. giving recalibrates us to God's mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. Um, because we acknowledge that it comes from him mm-hmm. and that we can, so to speak, afford to mm-hmm. give it away because we believe that he'll provide... Mm-hmm more than what we need and it's in all the his future stuff anyways exactly yes <laughs> so giving does break the hold that money can have on our hearts and it recalibrates oh. us to god's design oh, so that's really important that's fair. o is talking about taxes and debt debt oh. um and then grow which is talking about savings and even investing mm-hmm. um and so you know there's those four categories mm-hmm. of how we can allocate our resources and like a lot of things you know people have limited resources so the mm-hmm. more you do in one area the less you have um to allocate towards another area and so what i've observed um w- especially when we follow the cultural way is that um we tend to over allocate towards living expenses okay and owing um so we yeah. spend more than we have okay. so we take on debt so that we can buy now but then that's increasing our future expenses yeah so that not only can we consume less in in the future um uh mm-hmm. but um yeah i mean we have to honor the debts that that we have well, so we our tr- allocation actually goes up there <laughs> yeah. yeah well, well that's a good point <laughs> well I mean, the way things are going you know people are asking the government to forgive debt and to erase that's how it goes. It seems yeah. like it seems like what we're doing in our culture today is a is a eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Yes. So kind of like I will just live for the moment and I don't really care about tomorrow. Yes. And then if tomorrow comes, I'll just ask someone to fix it for me. Yes. Well, and that's I think where we are at in a lot of ways is yeah. the what people have been taught, whether they realize they've been taught that way or not, mm-hmm. they've been taught to spend and to overspend that's what our economic model has encouraged people to do and they've done it and they've are now realizing the consequences of those decisions and so um you know some people want to fix that and so that's that's where that's where those conversations about we need to forgive debt because people can't um they, they can't afford their lives anymore but the reality is they they overspent, right? Yeah. And now, I mean, there's consequences to making those decisions, and um, people want, in a way, to be bailed out of that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that is scary is there's there's been talk, you know, it hasn't gone through anything like that, but there's been talk of doing things like um, of redistributing 401ks. So mm-hmm. taking from the people who have been diligent in saving and dispersing that to the people who haven't um, because it's not fair that somebody could enter retirement without having any savings while somebody else could enter retirement having two million dollars in their 401k Uh, that's so so marxist that's so and that's the mindset (laughs) it's not fair oh my goodness 
Yeah, that's terrible. And and all of this that you're talking about goes against the, the biblical model. Like I mean, we see in again the Proverbs, the borrower is slave yes. to the lender. Yes. I mean, that's a terrible thing. I mean, obviously sometimes you have to borrow, but the principle there is I just understand the relationship yes. between borrower and, and the lender. Yeah. And also, um, you mentioned the the spend spend you know, or or the you know, the retirement idea. I'm just gonna get it. I'm gonna get bigger barns and bigger houses and just relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And then uh, there's also, I think, in Ecclesiastes, where where King Solomon is, is 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 saying how meaningless it is for this one guy. He just works, 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 works. Yes. And he never enjoys, and and, and he never stops to think like, who am I toiling for? Yeah. You know, he's got no relatives, he's got no descendants or whatever. And, and, and I think Solomon says he could live a thousand years and never enjoy the fruit of his labor. Yes. Labor. Well, to bring that back to modern times, real life, Steve Jobs, I just read on yeah. LinkedIn, somebody had um, posted some of his last words. And I didn't know if I was reading a memo from Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. if I was reading through Ecclesiastes, but it was essentially that I've accomplished all this great things that, you know, mm-hmm. should say I, you know, have been very successful and yet I feel empty and broken and the veil is going to come down on everybody at some point, speaking about his pending death. Um, yeah. And so it was those same words, essentially, wow. that were being spoken by Steve Jobs before he passed away. Man. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, in, in finance, there's a lot of things, actually, that do align with biblical principles. Sure. And that's part of the reason why people have had success following them is because they align with yeah. with god's way right yeah, but there's <laughs> there's also areas where um they don't yeah. and um and you know like one of one example that comes to mind is somebody who has um you know let's say they have a windfall maybe it's an inheritance okay. or something like that yeah. they have um, a sum of money that they receive mm-hmm. um perhaps unexpectedly sure and they have a choice do i pay off my mortgage or do i invest this okay all right well the chances are that they'll probably earn a higher rate of return investing it, at okay. least over the long term, sure. than they would by paying on saving interest mm-hmm. um, on the mortgage, especially in a low interest rate environment exactly. like this. Yeah. However, I've met with a lot of people who um, who have paid. I've worked with them to make their final mortgage payment, and you can feel a weight lifted. And oh. there's like there's a return on investment that we can't necessarily quantify or measure, mm-hmm. but I believe it's far greater than the cap, the return on capital. Um, oh. So maybe if they invest in the markets, they'd have more dollars. But if we would look at their, uh, I don't know, call it emotional uh, um, bank, they might spiritual. have. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's part of where good advice, I think, comes back uh, to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it. The borrower is slave to the lender and people feel that. And um, there's a great freedom and like a release mm. that people experience mm-hmm. when they actually pay off all their debt. I'm not saying that debt can always be avoided, and I'm yeah. not saying it's always wrong. Sure. But I am saying that I have worked with people to be completely debt free, and I know that they uh, they experience the freedom of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I wish I could do is quantify the value in that. Well, it's hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, or impossible in, so, in some regards. Yeah. No, that's fair, man. And, and I mean, I know we're coming close to the end of our time here. Um, so I just wanted to ask, you know, what are some of the key takeaways or final thoughts that you'd want, the, you know, our Christian listeners to hear regarding 
what you've been saying today. Yeah. So, I mean, the way I look at it, um, do we have an ideal economic system? Mm -hmm. You know, I no, not necessarily, but that doesn't mean me personally, what I think that we can do is try to align our lives and live our lives in accordance with God's way Mm -hmm. as best as possible as we Mm -hmm. can. And it is a challenge when you work, I mean, when you live within a society that's set up contrary maybe to his way. It doesn't always support it or encourage that. True. Um, but we can still make decisions that are in line with what the scriptures say. Yeah. And, um, and I do believe, you know, that um, there's fruit of that. And um, that as our um, family and friends and neighbors observe something different about our lifestyle and the fruit mm-hmm. of how we've managed what we've um, been given to manage, that can start to create um, some change in how others desire to manage too. So it is a challenge. I mean, I try to focus on what I can control. I can't control yeah. the whole economic structure or, or models. Or any, I can't control that, right? Yeah. But I can make decisions on sure. my piece. And so trying to align those decisions as much as possible with mm-hmm. with what the scriptures um, say, I think is really vital. I think that's fair because, I mean— we all have a tendency because of our, you know, living in a sinful world and we're sinners too, is to blame other people for our problems or to blame the system or to blame the government. Like, I mean, I, I, do I, do I believe that the government takes too much in taxes? Yes, I do. I believe that many of the taxes are immoral and, and, and evil, one of them being the property tax. But, you know, and I can sit there and, and complain that I get six thousand or so dollars taken from me yeah. every year, that I'll never see, and that I'll, I'll always owe that tax. I'll never actually own my land. You know, it's never going to be fully mine. Right. If I, if I stop paying that, I lose my land. Lose it. So I'm basically renting from the government, but I can't really control that. You know, I, I, I certainly can try to vote for the people that I think would try to fight against that. Yes. But, you know, I'm not going to sit there and complain like, well, woe is me. I have to pay all these taxes so I I don't have to be faithful to God. Or I have excuses now for not following God's ways. No, not, not really. I still need to follow God's ways even in a situation where I think there are some wicked things happening. Yeah. You know, what else can I do? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that comes back to, um, I know they were trying to trap Jesus, but they said, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And he asked to look at a coin. He said, whose face is on Mm -hmm. the coin? They said, Caesar's. And he said, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. taxes, pay him his taxes, but give to God what is God's. Mm -hmm. And what is God's? Our lives belong to God. He created us. So all of us, how we work and how we interact and socialize with other people every all of us were to give to god for his glory so again we you know we may live in um where there are taxes and other things that we don't necessarily agree with but it is a part of it and so to Mm. um to honor that but more importantly to give Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. to to god yeah to the lord so i guess the one thing maybe we can talk about this in a future uh, episode um, is that I can see like frustration and, and and you know we have to be careful as Christians not to cease doing good we have to keep doing good because here's the here's the frustration that I see it like 
if I follow God's ways, I presumably, you know, things will start to get a little better. It, like for me, like I'll get out of debt, hopefully. You know, I, I've always heard, I've heard people say like, when you become a Christian, the cocaine bill goes down. You know, like, like I'm not saying prosperity gospel. Right. You're not like you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. But if you follow God's ways, um, I think there'll be some flourishing that goes on. I think things will get better mm-hmm. uh, for you. But the problem is that what happens when you live in a system that you perceive, like the government, the government leeches off of those who are yeah. productive and doing well, and it takes from them and, and rewards yeah. bad behavior. Yes. It can demoralize yes. you because you feel like, why am I, yeah. like, why should I bother? Yeah, the, it can reach a point of diminishing returns where people say, for each additional dollar that I earn requires X amount of additional labor, but I only get to keep you know, this small portion. So it can reach the point where some, I mean, the, it, it can discourage people mm-hmm. from um, from continuing to be more and more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get Venezuela or, so, yeah. or the Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. we, we can, maybe we'll chat about that. That would be, yeah, that would be great to chat. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, we are uh, certainly uh, coming at the end of our time. So, um, anyways, Steve, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show today. And um, economics always fascinates me, um, mostly because there's so much to learn and so much to understand, and it's, it's applicable in so many ways. So I def- definitely hope to, to have you go on, have you on again um, in, the, in the near future. So uh, thank you again for, for coming today, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Well, I hope that you found that interview to be uh, useful and a blessing. I certainly enjoyed it and hope to have Steve on in the future talk about other related topics. Uh, If you have any questions uh, for myself or for Steve, I can certainly pass them uh, off to him. You can email me at thegbgpodcast at gmail.com. Find uh, Governed by God on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all the social media platforms. Certainly share this episode with with friends, family, co-workers, and uh, give those thumbs up, stars, reviews. All, All that helps to get this out to more folks. So thank you again for joining me. And until next time, take care and God bless.